This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 165 for January 2022, with Michelle Leslie on Christian Liberty. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 165 for January 2022. Michelle Leslie returns for her fourth episode of Echo Zoe Radio to talk about Christian liberty. Michelle is an author, a podcaster, and has a women's discipleship ministry. She and Amy Spreeman do a show called A Word Fitly Spoken. This episode should be on the Echo Zoe Locals page in both audio and video formats. I continue posting video of these episodes there concurrently with the regular podcast feed. So video versions of the show are going up elsewhere on a lag. You'll find a video of this episode embedded at echozoe.com slash 165 when the February episode is released. So this is just to encourage people to come on over to Locals where you'll find almost everything that we do on the free side of the paywall and a promo code pinned at the top for free access behind the paywall. So come on over and join in the community at echozoe.locals.com. Show notes for this episode are available at echozoe.com slash 165, and that's where you'll find an outline of the discussion, a list of the scriptures referenced during the show, additional resources, and related episodes from the Echozoe archives. With that, here's my discussion with Michelle. Michelle, I uh, was just looking in the archives. It looks like it's been two and a half years since you were last on the show with me. Yeah, I think it's been a while. (laughs) It's great to be back. And in that time, you started your own podcast. Yes, I did with, uh, well, it's not really my own, but I do it with, uh, with Amy Spreeman. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are familiar with her from Berean research and, uh, from the, um, from Chris Roseboro. She's been on his show sometimes a few times and, uh, the pirate gang conversations and all that. So she is well-loved and well-known and, Mm -hmm. uh, we just have a great time together just talking about different things, you know, things in the news in Christianity and different concepts uh, in the Bible and uh, current events and things like that. And whatever we think that our audience will be interested in or needs to know or needs to learn about or whatever. So, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So yeah, I'm really glad. On a, a few good topics that we were going to kind of pick through to talk tonight. Yeah. And I know one that we maybe we'll touch on, but uh, ended up not being the focus of our, our topic tonight, but uh did one on head coverings a few weeks ago. I thought was interesting. And we're going to talk about Christian oh, yeah. Liberty. Right. And then I'm guessing based on what I saw just maybe in the last uh, couple hours online, maybe a, a topic that I could see popping up for you is uh, Beth Moore becoming an Anglican. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. That's really been happening today. I saw it's trending on Twitter. So must be a really hot topic uh, for everybody. I saw Stephen uh, Mel Melnitsen. 
tweeted about uh-huh. it and that's all I, all I saw but I thought well yeah shocker yeah, of shockers think, yeah we're, we're, we're just, yeah, that, just to know we're ahead. recording on December 20th so for those who are listening right. this was a couple <laughs> weeks ago right so hopefully everything has settled down by the time everybody's well and then my prediction listening to it I wonder if by the time people actually hear this she'll go all the way to Roman Catholicism <laughs> It's hard to say. I mean, you know, she she has she does consider Roman Catholics brothers and sisters in Christ. She's said that before. And I know that her husband uh, grew up in Roman Catholicism. So I don't know. I don't know if she's going to make that big of a leap that quickly after leaping into Anglicanism, which is what she's in now. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I guess anything's possible. <laughs> My prediction to Stephen was uh, I give her three years. By the end of 2024, I wouldn't be shocked yeah. if she's a full on. Maybe so. Now, maybe what stops her was that she wouldn't be able to be clergy. And that seems to be a big thing. She wants to preach. She wants to teach. And that wouldn't yeah. be welcome in Catholicism. That might be the one thing that holds that back. Well, I think there are some some sort of rogue uh, churches or dioceses possibly that that might allow that, you know, huh? maybe, you know, not too, too, not too much out in the open, but... Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've seen. Would she do anything that's not in the open though? I mean, she seems to be. (laughs) Yeah. She might have a little trouble keeping that a secret. Well, she seems to like the limelight. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's used to being in the limelight for sure. Mm -hmm. So. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Christian Liberty tonight. And this is a topic that you talked about on your show. Right. Um, What was the inspiration for as the, as a topic for you guys? Well, for us, for me, particularly, I I was the one who suggested the topic and Amy said, yeah, let's do that. And for me, it was really, you know, every year around the holidays, starting basically with trick or treat Mm -hmm. uh, and Halloween and all of that, um, there there's just this online war, especially among women. I don't see it too much among men, but, uh, you know, of people saying whether you should or shouldn't participate in Halloween if you're a Christian. And there's the people on one side who will say, you know, you can't have anything to do with Halloween. You can't even like pass out tracks and candy or, you know, you're probably not even a Christian if you do something like that because we're to have nothing to do with with Halloween or whatever. And then there are other people who, you know, are, feel fine taking their, you know, dressing their kids up in something that's not scary or not demonic or anything like that, maybe a princess or whatever, and mm-hmm. taking their kids trick-or-treating, or they pass out candy and tracks to the kids who come to their door, or they, like a family I knew years ago, they they did what they called reverse trick-or-treating, and they would take their kids trick-or-treating, and the kids would hand out tracks to the houses that they went to, which I thought was really neat. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, there are churches that do trunk-or-treat or fall festival and things yep. like that as a way to reach families who, you know, are in the neighborhood or whatever, and uh, they don't want to take their kids to something scary. So they want to do something family friendly. And they know, you know, a church will do something like that. And so a church will do something like that in order to share the gospel. Well, you know, there's people on both ends of the spectrum. And so there's kind of a little war uh, going on every year between those two ends of the spectrum. And uh, it doesn't stop there. You know, it goes right on into there's not too much Christian liberty issue with Thanksgiving. Um, sometimes yep. there's an issue with, can I have a glass of wine with my Thanksgiving dinner or something like that? 
Uh, and, you know, some Christians believe that every, every Christian should be a teetotaler and not drink at all. And then there are some Christians who believe it's okay to have an occasional glass of wine or alcohol, as long as it doesn't lead to drunkenness. So there's, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that with Thanksgiving, but not a whole lot. And then you get into the Christmas season and there's the whole, um, there's a whole crowd of Christmas is pagan and Christians should never celebrate Christmas and you should never have a Christmas tree. You should never anything, you know, and then there's other people on the other side going, I like my Christmas tree and I really want to celebrate Christmas because it's the birth of Christ. And so it's just like the whole holiday season is just this morass of Christian liberty issues. And so yeah. I've been trying to in my, uh, especially on my social media pages, sort of work through this idea with, um, with really with people on both sides, because the people who do feel liberty to do certain things like taking their kids trick-or-treating or whatever, um, those people need to, you know, maybe be a little more careful and make sure that they're not doing anything that's sinful or anything that the Bible commands against. And, and then the people on the other side need to make sure that they're not being legalistic and making a law where there is no law and holding people to that law and saying that they're sinning if they don't obey that law that they've made up. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's a field that is uh, ripe for the teaching of Christian liberty when the, when the holidays roll yeah. around. So. Well, and then, I mean, just kind of to tip your hand, I guess, just by framing it within Christian liberty, you're kind of showing where you're coming from in a way. You know, if you believed that Halloween was evil and that Christians shouldn't do it, you wouldn't lump it in on the Christian liberty discussion. It would be more... Yeah, I guess that's things, true. Right? <laughs> I guess that's true. Well, I, I would feel like I was, if I said you cannot do this no matter what, then I wouldn't be being biblical because the yeah. first thing we always have to do is go to scripture. Yep. And, uh, and like I said, on our episode, when you come, when you come to an issue like this, um, the, you have to ask, can I do it? And should I do it? Yep. And the first question, and you ask both of those questions in scripture. And so the first question you ask is, can I do it? Well, if you go to scripture and scripture says, no, you can't do that, then that's where the discussion ends because that's an issue of sin. If, if scripture right. says not to do something and you do it anyway, that's sin, you know, or if scripture says to do something and you don't do it, that's sin. Right. And, uh, and so we just have to be sure that both sides go to scripture first right. yep. and um, the, you know, the people who are more, you know, stringent, they need to make, sh make sure that they understand that just because they have strong personal feelings about something that doesn't equal the Bible prohibits it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't equal this is sin. Right. And then the people on the other side need to make sure that they're not being too, um, they're not experiencing too much licentiousness yeah. and they're not being too permissive. They need to make sure that if they're doing something that it's not something the Bible prohibits. Yeah. So now as I was kind of getting ready, you, know, you sent me notes that you put together for your own show and I looked through and um, I thought the three things that you came up with were great examples, Halloween, uh, having a glass of wine and uh, Christmas. That's mm -hmm same i've experienced a lot of the same kind of things over the last 22 years that i've been saved too that and even gone through my own phases of being you know should i really be celebrating christmas or should i really be celebrating right. halloween uh when my wife and i were first married we 
turned all the lights off and went shopping on Halloween so that we weren't even in the house. And um, it yeah, just seemed we've done that too. It seemed like something we were just really uncomfortable with it. Now having kids always changes that. Cause then now what do you do? Why, what do you tell the kids when they see other kids come around knocking on the door and, right. and in costumes and stuff. And, um, and right. several years ago, Fred Butler and I did a show on Halloween specific. And uh, definitely like-minded on that. Now, on the the overall theme of Christian liberty, I was really drawn into First Corinthians because I think the mm-hmm. specifically eight and nine and parts of ten uh, mm-hmm. really address some of the big key issues on Christian liberty. Right. Uh, starting with, and I think that specifically Halloween really is very analogous to when Paul is writing about uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols. He said, these mm-hmm. idols are nothing. There's nothing there. They're, they're figments of people's imagination. So if somebody else sacrificed meat to this imaginary thing, don't let it bother you. Just like, you know, eat your hamburger, grab your steak. Right. You know? right. Um, but then getting into some of the deeper issues on uh, how you can have liberty, but yet offend your brother who doesn't, whose conscience rubs them wrong on the issue. Right. Right. We have to really be careful about that because we are called to deny ourselves and lay aside our personal rights. I mean, we see Paul doing that uh, in those passages and, and throughout, you know, his his writings in the New Testament. Um, we have to love our brothers and sisters enough to put aside our rights to do what we want to do um, when that's appropriate. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that if if you're next door neighbor who's your brother in Christ uh, doesn't like purple socks or whatever, that you can't wear purple socks inside your house when he's not around. I mean, it doesn't mean that. So, Mm -hmm. um, but when we are going to be in fellowship with, you know, in fellowship situation with our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, if we know that there, for example, are people in that group that have very strong personal feelings against alcohol, you know, we, we get a Coke instead. you know, if we're going out to dinner with them or something like that. And then, you know, if you want to have a glass of wine, when you get home in the privacy of your home, you can do that. But we, we have to realize another thing that we have to realize is that not everybody is at the same exact level of sanctification and spiritual maturity Mm -hmm. that we are. Some people, you know, and we're all, we're all at varying levels of sanctification and spiritual maturity in different areas in our own lives. So, you know, my neighbor, Bob, might be kind of the weaker brother in the area of alcohol, but he might be the stronger brother in the area of trick-or-treating or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so that helps us to maintain some humility there, knowing that there's a lot of situations in which I'm the weaker brother. And I hope that uh, my brothers and sisters are going to take that into consideration and to love me well and do what scripture tells them to do with regard to their Christian liberty. So Mm -hmm. very well said. So um, what other issues do you encounter on this issue, on this topic? Well, those are some of the main ones, but um, you know, there's, there are other things that come up just that are in, our own unique personal situations that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I can't think of because somebody might have an issue come up that, that that's not my life. So I don't 
think of that. But um, those are some, really alcohol is a main one with Christians. Mm-hmm. Christmas trees. Um, uh, another thing related to Christmas is the uh, second second commandment um, violations oh, yeah. with nativity. Um, yeah, some people consider, you know, any any depiction of Christ whatsoever, be it a baby in a nativity scene or, you know, a live baby in a Christmas pageant that's playing the part of baby Jesus or mm-hmm. pictures of Jesus in a children's Bible, flannel graphs like we used to have back in the Stone Age, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything like that, they they consider to be a violation of the second commandment, which is the commandment against worshiping graven images. And, um, you know, I've done this a study on that and looked into it really deeply because when I first heard, I had never heard of that until just a few years ago Yeah. Uh, when I started hearing some, some friends talking about it. And so I looked into it because if that was a sin, I mean, I wanted to know, yeah. I wanted to stop doing it, you know, because you don't want to do something that's a sin. And uh, so I looked into the scriptures and the cross references and the context and all of that. And I just did not find that that uh, really is a sin because the commandment is against making graven images and worshiping, worshiping them as God or worshiping them with God or worshiping with your worship of God or worshiping them instead of God. That's what the commandment is against. So some people would argue that that is not a Christian liberty issue because if they're on the side that says it is a second commandment violation, they would say, well, if, if you have, you know, a Jesus figurine in your nativity set, then you're sinning because you're breaking the commandment. And then those of us who are on the other side would say, no, we're not because you're taking the commandment out of context and, and everything. And so we would consider it a Christian liberty issue. There are things like that. There are things, um, oh, I guess, you know, the churches that uh, that don't allow women to wear pants or makeup or they have to grow their hair long, things like that, uh, we would consider a Christian liberty issue. You mentioned head coverings before. Um, yeah. A I, lot of people would consider that a Christian liberty issue. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the potential topics that we were going to talk about tonight was head right. coverings. You did a whole episode on head coverings. Right. Um, in an attempt to try to keep it as close to the Liberty side as possible. What was your, kind of your main points on the uh, head covering issue? Well, just in a nutshell, um, the, and we, you know, we went into greater depth and on this, um, on this topic in the, the episode, but just in a nutshell, um, we don't find that that is a command across the board universally for every woman uh, in every country, in every era of history. The head covering was a cultural example that Paul was giving to the church at that time. Mm -hmm. But the underlying principle um, is that women are to be submissive to their husbands and that women are um, women and men and Every, you know, pastors and everyone in the church, we're to respect the hierarchical structure that God has set up. God has set up uh, different levels of authority and everyone is supposed to submit to the authorities that are over them. So in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of um, where we landed on that, 
on that issue. So sure. Yeah. And I just brought up, um, most, most people won't see the video, but, uh, just brought up because <laughs> I, I brought up first Corinthians because as I mentioned, you know, I was really into eight, nine and parts of 10 and, and the head coverings is chapter 11. And so it was right there. And that's why I thought it'd be easy to bring it up. But um, yeah, so um, I, I like how you frame that within a liberty issue because um, there certainly are elements of that where people would be wearing head coverings because they like that for whatever reason, but aren't imposing it on others. And which is kind of a definition of a liberty issue. Exactly. Yeah. I have friends who wear head coverings and that doesn't bother me. And I encourage them to do that if that's what they want to do. Um, if that makes them feel like they're following their consciences and following scripture, then that's what they should do. You know, it's like Martin Luther said is never safe to go against conscience. And, uh, and so we need to make sure that we are not sinning against our consciences because the whole idea behind that is that if you, if your conscience, your biblically informed conscience, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. uh, tells you that you should not, I don't know, that you should not go to church without a head covering and you do, and you go and you feel guilty and you feel wrong and spiritually uncomfortable the whole time then you're you're sinning because in your heart you don't you don't feel that what you're doing is right and you feel that what you're doing is a sin and yet what you're and yet you're doing it anyway right so your your intent is to sin and on our um on our episode i gave the example it's it's kind of hard to understand you know especially when you're first saved what is all this about uh, sinning against your conscience. And so the example that I gave on our, our show was to, to think about, you know, a few years ago, Dateline or one of these other news shows was uh, doing these series of stings where they would, uh, a pedophile would call in, I don't know if they're all pedophiles, but anyway, sexual predators yeah. would, um, they would set, the police would set up a sting and they would have these I don't know how they got to these guys or whatever, but the, these guys would call in and they would think they were talking to an underage girl and they would set up a date with her to come over to where she was and have sex with her. Well, the person on the other end of the phone was not in fact a teenage girl. It was a cop. And when they, when the predator got to the house with the intent of having sex with this underage girl, the police would, would grab him at that point. So he didn't actually technically commit a crime, but the intent of his heart, the intent of his mind was to commit a crime. He had already planned to do that and he was right. bent on committing that crime. So it's a little similar to the idea of, of committing a crime against your conscience or committing a sin against your conscience. If you can kind of look at it parallel like that. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely intent is, uh, is an important thing. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think you've kind of brought up in different ways, looking at context, which is always important as we're reading mm -hmm. through scripture on things and both the literary context as we're reading the scripture itself, but also a historical context. And then I would even add like just a general um, uh, human history context as well. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of times that people get kind of hung up on things. And they think things are sinful, but when you start looking at all of history and not looking at 
you know, 21st century America, all of a right. sudden that whole, it just breaks down really quickly. Right. Um, and, and that's why I brought up with uh, Halloween being very analogous to what Paul dealt with, with the meat sacrifice to idols. Cause they're, they're, they're really close in my opinion. Yeah, they really can be. Um, and, and we need to be careful about that because we don't, you know, that's another concept is that we don't want to cause our brothers and sisters to, to stumble. We don't want to, we don't want to put a stumbling block, stumbling block in front of a brother or sister who is mm -hmm. trying his or her best to grow in the Lord and to be faithful to what, what he believes is what the Lord wants him to do. So, um, yeah, so it is, it can be kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I think the Christmas one is also good. I mean, that's, that's something that we went through a lot too. You know, young Christians, I didn't grow up in a Christian household per se, you know, with a, like an evangelical household. Mm -hmm. And so, I did grow up with the Christmas tree kind of thing. And then of course being young, I was, I was uh, 21 when I was saved. So um, that was a big thing, you know, I almost, I think I went through all that stuff personally, you know, going through those phases and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, you can, you can really, I mean, it, that's, that's growth. I mean, right. you, you start questioning things and we should, we should, we mm -hmm. shouldn't just be on autopilot and just do things without giving it a thought. We should always examine our, our thoughts and our motives and our actions and make sure those things line up with scripture. Because if, if our thoughts or our motives, or our actions aren't right, we want to change those things right. and bring them into submission to what scripture says. And, you know, we did in our, our marriage, um, we went through some of the same things you're talking about with Halloween, never with Christmas really, but with Halloween, you know, mm -hmm. we first, um, I, I can remember when our daughter was born, um, she was, she was born in August. So she was really little the first Halloween and I made her a little, like a little cowgirl costume. And we just took her over to, uh, my grandmother's house and, and, uh, my husband's aunt's house to, to sort of trick or treat, which is like three months old. So she mm -hmm. can really trick or treat. But, uh, and we may, I know, I remember we carved a pumpkin with a cross in it and put a candle inside that, you know, it's like Jesus is the light of the world or whatever. And then um, as we continue to grow in our faith and continue to grow as parents, um, we, we considered whether we should have any sort of participation in Halloween at all. I remember there were several nights, uh, several Halloween nights when um, we just went out to eat or something like that, took the kids out to eat or took them to a movie or something like that. And, um, and then and another thing that, that kind of added to this evolution of, of growing into Christian liberty in this particular area was that we, my husband is a former minister of music. And so we served several different churches during this time and the different churches had different practices and, and, uh, and things like that. And so that sort of was input into our, um, our decisions, I guess you would say yep. about what we were going to do about Halloween. So there were years when we did uh, trunk or treat at church or, you know, whatever kind of outreach our church was doing. I remember one year we went to a, uh, when the kids were older, I guess, we went to one of those um, 
sort of Christian haunted house things, you know, where you go in and it's scary and there's somebody performing an abortion and there's oh. somebody, I mean, not for real, but well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, mimicking that and uh, just, you know, that you would, that Satan would drag you off to hell or whatever. And it was, you know, it wasn't really that scary. Because, it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm really not sure why we went that year. Just we had free tickets to it or something <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, we've, we've kind of run the gamut of, of what we're going to do. And, and the last few years we have, um, we've handed out candy and tracks because our kids are too old for trick or treat now. Mm -hmm. And so we've just, we've done a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, you can just, you can grow in those areas and, you know, you may find yourself doing something different next year than you did this year. And that's okay. If the Lord is growing you one way or the other, that's fine. But the, the thing that we have to be careful not to do is to uh, to let our personal convictions about, say, trick-or-treating uh, become so strong that we take the decision that we've made for ourselves, that we've prayerfully made between us and the Lord, and, and apply that to everybody and say, you have to make this same decision that I've made, mm -hmm. or you're sinning, or you're probably not saved. Because that's exactly what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. And that's what he was really getting onto them for so many times was to, and, and another thing about these, these rules a lot of times is that they are stricter than what scripture says. Yep. You know, scripture doesn't say you can't hand out candy and tracks on Halloween. As a matter of fact, you know, I think you, an argument could be made for the fact that that is fighting back against Halloween. You're pushing back the darkness with the light of the gospel. Yeah. And we are commanded in the Great Commission to share the gospel. So I think a, a good argument could be made right there. But anyway, to say that you can, you know, you have to to close yourself up inside your house or you have to go out to eat so that you're not participating in any sort of way. Uh, in Halloween or you're sinning is stricter than what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And can't take that personal stricter rule that you've made for yourself and apply it to other people and say, you have to do this just like I'm doing this or you're sinning. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They, um, the Pharisees, you know, like I said, they're, they were not always bad guys. They started off with the very best of intentions. You know, they, they had just come out of this terrible exile uh, in the Old Testament, you know, that we read about the 70 years of the exile. And they came out and everybody was like, well, we don't want to go back there again. Let's, <laughs> let's make sure we don't do anything to mess up again where God sends us into exile again. That's Michelle's translation <laughs> uh, paraphrase. And so they, yeah, they started at the MLT, Michelle's literal yeah. translation. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Just like the, the message, I would recommend that. Um, but they, they were trying to, the illustration I always use is that, you know, sin is like a swimming pool and God's law is like a fence around the swimming pool. Well, the Pharisees came and they marked off 15 feet further out from God's fence and they built their own fence around his yep. fence. And they said, if you jumped over their fence, you were in sin. But God said, only said, if you jumped over his fence and into the swimming pool, you were in sin. Yep. So um, 
Well, that's so they, uh, I guess also uh, the other illustration would be right in the garden when when uh, Satan's trying to tempt Eve with the fruit, and and he says, "Did God really say you can't eat from any tree?" Right. 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 Said, no, God said you can't eat from that tree. Right. Exactly. So he, there, the serpent is tempting Eve by uh, in, in, invoking a legalistic uh, practice upon her. That's right. That's right. And when we when we do that, and and it's a, that's a good, really good point that you brought up. When we do that, really, what we're saying, and I, I don't think the people who who do this are intending to do this, but this is the effect of, of what you're, what you're saying is that you think God's law isn't good enough and you've got to come along and help him and be holier than him because, you know, and you need to rescue him from himself because he's just not being holy enough. He's not doing a good enough job. And we want to be careful that we never, even unintentionally say that with our words or our actions Um, so that's another reason we've always got to go back to scripture and say, what does scripture say about this? Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we be good students of the entire Bible, not just proof texts that, that directly address, you know, certain, certain, uh, issues, but we need to understand the entire Bible. We need to understand some of the underlying principles that don't just jump out and smack you in the face, but, you know, they're there in your mind while you're considering these issues and you can bring them to bear on your decision-making process. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I might disagree. Scripture. <laughs> I might disagree with you just a little bit on that. Just that, um, I think that when it comes to legalistic tendencies, generally, I think the people trying to follow those are right. Like you're saying they, they want it. They're, they're fearful of God. They're, I mean, healthy fear of God. And, they want to serve him and they want to do what's right. And they don't want to sin against him. But I think the people, most of the time, the people that are setting those laws are, are wolves really that are trying to become lawgivers themselves. And they're trying to lord over other people. And I don't think very, very few of them have good motives doing bad things with good motives. Well, I would certainly agree with that, that many people who are trying to, are you talking about pastors or, or leaders being wolves? Just generally anybody, just you know, general we, we can get, you know, you can get people just in your congregation. They'll come in and actually yeah. we've, I've seen it where, where congregations go through a, a lot of strife, if not even splits because people come right. in and insist, well, you, you know, you're not, you're not pushing the laws hard enough and right. they want law. They want people to have restrictions and then. And then once they kind of get that nose in the door, then they want to push for more than what the scripture says. Because your yeah. your healthy pastor is going to say, well, yeah, obviously, you know, there's there are things that Christians shouldn't be doing. Right. You shouldn't right. be getting drunk and you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage and you shouldn't be stealing. And, you, sh- you know, obviously those things are no, no question. But when they start getting in, I think you brought up a while back, we we're talking about uh, women wearing pants or, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, smaller things like certain kinds of jewelry or not wearing a head covering or dancing on Friday night or going to a movie, yeah. you know, and um, or any night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There, there certainly are some people who are, uh, they're probably just grabbing for power or they, mm-hmm. they are false teachers and maybe they don't even know it, uh, that are trying to bring legalism into the church. But a lot of the people that I interact with, I just get the impression that many of them are um, 
I know this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but many of them don't know their Bibles very well. Mm -hmm. And they are just going on what they've been told. They've been told it's, it's satanic to drink. They've been told that they can't do Halloween or whatever. And then some of them also are brand new Christians who have no yeah, and that's the, the ones where I—that's why I say they're know. the ones who do definitely. I think are innocently just trying to obey the God and, right. and honor Him as best they can, and and right. I think the others are taking advantage. That's what happens. I think many times that that really is the case, and uh, and there also there are some people that you know they're new Christians and they've gotten saved out of really horrible backgrounds like New Apostolic Reformation, yeah. or you know maybe uh, Catholicism or Mormonism or something like that, and they are just they're having to relearn what real Christianity is because what they were saved out of is what they were told Christianity was, and that's not what. It, what Christianity is, you yep. know, and so they're, they're really, ha- it's almost like a deprogramming process and they just don't know what's true and what isn't. And that's really sad. And, and we definitely want to help those people as much as, as, as we can. I don't, I don't think those folks are really trying to push an agenda. They're just trying to figure this whole thing. Yeah. Out. And that's where we as more mature Christians can, can right. uh, recognize that, we have liberty, but it's better in some situations to pull back a little bit and just help those more immature people to grow. Right. And that as they do grow, they'll be able to come out of that and join us in our liberty. Right. And and on that note, too, of, of people who have, particularly people who have gotten saved out of New Apostolic Reformation, there's another, uh, you were asking for examples of, of issues of Christian liberty before. There's another one that I just thought of. Um, I and on this one, I would not be on the side that considers this Christian liberty. I would be on the side that considers this sin uh, or at least a violation of scripture or unwise or, or something like that. But the churches, especially pretty much doctrinally sound churches who use music from Bethel, Elevation, Hillsong, all these heretical sources, and they have Christians coming in who have just gotten saved out of new apostolic reformation or some sort of charismatic mega church or something like that. And they come in and, and they go, this is what I just got out of. And it, it really causes them, you know, some spiritual angst and some anxiety and fear. And they come to me and say, what do I do? (laughs) You know? And so I really, I really feel for them because this is difficult. I mean, your own church shouldn't be making it difficult for you to grow in Christ and mature in Christ and, and get your bearings as a new Christian who's just gotten saved out of this garbage. And so, you know, a lot of people who use that kind of music would say, oh, well, this is just a Christian liberty issue. Whereas I would say, you know, look at the, like I was talking about a minute ago about knowing your Bible and knowing the principles throughout scripture, not just a few verses here and there, but the broader arc of scripture Mm -hmm. and look at your Old Testament and look at what it says about idolatry and having anything to do with, with idols or uh, heretics or anything like that in the new Testament as well. And then tell me you're going to cling to that kind of music, especially in the face of this weaker uh, brother or sister who needs you to stop using that so that they can, you know, they can get their bearings and grow in Christ. So, so that's another example of, 
I, I wouldn't really consider that a Christian liberty example, but yeah. uh, some people that well, are on the other yeah. side would. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. And I think even if you want to take it as a Christian liberty thing, it it's it if you, you gotta look it through those eyes that you gotta be looking for the weaker brother. And right. and you know, I think it's always, in, I always find it really interesting when we're going through first Corinthians and you, you're talking about that meat sacrifice to idols. It comes up. Well, what if you're, uh, you know, Paul brings it up and I, Oh yeah. I don't remember the exact, even though I got it right in front of me, I don't have an exact uh, <laughs> figure, but, but um, I, I think it's in chapter eight where um, Paul's saying, well, what if uh, you and your brother are both at a pagan's place and they're serving you dinner and he mentions that, oh, I sacrificed this to an idol. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. eat it so that you don't offend the, the host? Or do you refuse it so you don't offend your weaker brother? And the answer yeah. is, is common counterintuitive, is, is you make sure you don't offend your weaker brother. Right. Right. That's where our first loyalty has to lie is with our, and I think scripture makes that clear, is that yeah. we are to... Uh, love and serve our brothers and sisters first. It's not that we're not to be concerned about the loss, yeah. but our, our greatest loyalty is to Christ and then to his body, the church. So, right. And a yeah. big part of that is because we're, Jesus says that we are known by how we love each other. That's right. That's absolutely true. And Galatians says, you know, as often as you have opportunity uh, to serve the 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 body, serve the body, you know, to do good to the household of the faith. And so that's what that's what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. And and to look out for our weaker brothers, you know, and to to put them first above ourselves. So, yeah. yeah. So what do you think about um, I think there's kind of two different tendencies. You could on one hand, you could be looking at things like Halloween, at, like just as an example, Halloween, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Christian liberty issue on that. We can we can have liberty there. Or uh, another angle that sometimes I've heard come up is uh, where they they take things that they see as overtly pagan and say, "Well, I want to redeem that." Mm-hmm. Have you heard this before? Well, I'm going to redeem this. We're going to redeem that. You know, and it, that's and it. Kind of has some of that new apostolic tinge to it. You know, where they want to conquer the world one mountain at a time. Right. And one of those things is we're going to take the world's stuff and we're going to turn it around and use it to worship. Jesus. Yeah. And I don't think you'll find that in scripture. Anyway. <laughs> no. I mean, scripture scripture is, is all about do not love the world. Do mm-hmm. not be friends with the world. Friendship with the world is enmity toward God. You know, there's, there's nothing in scripture that talks about taking something worldly and supposedly turning it around and redeeming it uh, to make it Christian. You know, I mean, we've seen people try this with yoga. They, they want to redeem it into holy yoga or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's a Hindu pagan worship practice. It can't be redeemed. There's nothing redeemable about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go out there and create your own form of exercise that isn't a Hindu worship practice, right? Ritual, uh, that by the way, even Hindus say that non-Hindus shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you cannot take something that is is pagan and make it Christian. I mean, that's just I don't know. That's no, I'm gonna put it. you a little bit on the spot here. I, I okay. apologize. But okay. okay, what about if we got we've got maybe say we've got a young Christian listening to this 
might be asking, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. What's okay. the difference between Halloween and which has its roots, as some would say, in the occult versus yoga? Oh, I, I completely agree with you, but. Well, I'm so glad you asked because someone did ask me that question and I wrote an article. Ah, on it. I'll send you the okay. link to put in the show notes. I will if do you that. So episode 165. So echoes.com okay. slash 165. <laughs> we'll have a link in the additional resources towards the bottom. That sounds good. Or if they want to just come to my blog and put like Halloween and yoga in the search bar, <laughs> I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, but the difference there is when you're doing yoga, you are participating in this pagan Hindu worship ritual. You are approving of it. You are taking part in it. When you're, for example, taking part in a non-sinful part of Halloween, such as um, dressing your kid up in a costume that is not demonic, you know, it's just you know, like I said earlier, a princess or a cowgirl or something like that, um, or cowboy, you know, if it's a boy. Um, that's, you know, if you dress, let me put it this way. If you dress your kid up as a cowboy on May the 1st, is that sinful? On June point. 29th, on August 4th, you know, is that sinful? It's not, if it's not sinful one of those days, it's not sinful just because it's October 31st. It's not intrinsically sinful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're participating in one of these non-sinful aspects of Halloween like that, or like passing out tracks, that's evangelism. You, I will never stand for somebody telling me that evangelism is evil. I don't care what day of the week it is. Mm -hmm. I don't care what circumstance you're in. You know, Jesus went into the, the homes of pagans to, and shared meals with them in order to share the gospel with them. Okay. So if somebody comes knocking on my door and I have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I'm going to do that. So, um, I lost my train of thought. Where oh, are we going? Versus yoga. <laughs> oh, versus yoga. yoga. Yes. Okay. So if you're participating in one of those non-sinful aspects of Halloween, especially if it's evangelism, you are pushing back the darkness of Halloween. You're not participating in evil. You are bringing the light of Christ to shine in the darkness of evil. And you're saying this, this evil that's all around you, little kid that's trick-or-treating that comes from a non-Christian home or whatever, this is bad. This is wrong. Here is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. This is what you should believe in. This is who you should believe in. Mm -hmm. And he can save you. That's the difference between participating in a pagan worship ritual and approving of it and not pushing back against it, but taking part in it yep. and doing something non-sinful on Halloween that does push back that darkness and does bring the gospel to bear. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I think another... I don't remember if we talked about it when Fred and I did the Halloween thing or not, but I also kind of like to look at both Halloween and Christmas. And I think it helps to look at them together in one light. And that oftentimes this time of year, we have this recurrent discussion that comes back in, in our culture, at least here in the United States. And I think much of uh, Europe and the Western world where we start kind of, Wondering, well, well, you know, we want to say Merry Christmas and we get kind of uptight about happy holidays and whatnot. And we get all upset because it's been so commercialized and, and whatnot. And we look what the, the general culture has done to Christmas. Have they not done much the same to Halloween? I mean, 
Halloween for the most part, isn't seen as some occultic ritual. It's, it's this fun cultural thing that we do together where we dress our kids up and we hand out candy and you know, maybe the young adults get together and you know, have a party at somebody's house. And it's really nothing to do with paganism. Well, I can see where the line would be a little more blurred on Halloween because mm-hmm. there, there is a large, especially if you watch the movies or you look at the commercials on TV or you see the haunted houses that are available in your city or whatever. Um, and there, there is that emphasis on evil and the demonic and also the over-sexualized costumes and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and it's so definitely the not line without there its is issues. a little blurrier. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely not without its issues. Right. Well, I'm just saying the difference between that and then at Christmas, you know, Christmas is all about children. I mean, there is some of the the fringe aspect of, you know, I don't know, naughtiness or something like that. The Hallmark Channel stuff? Well, not, not on the Hallmark Channel, but I mean, there's, there's, there's some icky stuff that goes with, Christmas too, if you know where to look, but it's not right there in your face like the evil of Halloween is. Um, Christmas is a lot more family friendly. It's it's about families and um, children and goodness and wholesomeness and joy and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, there there are ways that you can um, that you can participate in non sinful aspects of Halloween, especially as an evangelistic outreach. Um, and there are things you can do like that for Christmas as well. There are lots of great opportunities to share the gospel. Oh, definitely. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, the the two most obvious being, you know, I I think we keep coming back to this trick or treating. You've got people coming to your house, knocking on your door. Why not take that opportunity to hand them a gospel? Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, my, this house here, I'm fortunate enough. We rarely have more than maybe a dozen kids by here at Halloween. Mm-hmm. We're just sitting in this weird like black hole of uh, the <laughs> neighborhood. Like I live in a pretty big neighborhood here. There's a lot of houses around us, but I'm like in this little spot that people stay yeah. either to the north or to the south. And it, very few kids actually ring on our door. So I think it makes it extra easy to get the full size candy bars, which every kid loves. Oh yeah. And then hand <laughs> them a, a track on top of it. You know, why right. not why not do that? And then I, on I Christmas mean, it's very very, very common that people are putting together Christmas letters and Christmas cards and mailing them to everybody they know. Why would you not, if you're going to do that anyway, why would you not put a little gospel message in there? Yeah, why not? That's right. Or, you know, invite, people are much more open to coming to church at Christmas time too, mm-hmm. and, and Easter as well. You know, why not? Well, that's the old joke. The CNE Christians. Christians. That's the old joke. Christmas exactly. and Easter. But if your church is presenting the gospel and that's, mm-hmm that is a way that's at hand to share the gospel with somebody. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, Michelle, I mean, I had a couple other little minor angles, but I would have to circle back to stuff we've kind of already talked about. So well, I don't know what right, else I've whatever. got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just maybe going to get into trying to, I guess as we grow, we kind of got to find that fine line between does somebody have a legalistic spirit versus a weak conscience. And I think sometimes that can be blurry especially as we're not mature, you know, as we get more mature, we start to see the difference between the two. Right. Right. And I I've seen that even in myself, as I've gotten older, 
I think some of it's just getting older chronologically too. <laughs> you know, yeah. you tend to to mellow a little bit more, and uh, but also as you grow more spiritually mature and you you get to know more different kinds of people. Um, you disciple people who are younger in the faith than you are, and things like that. You you become. Uh, I think more well-rounded in your, in your, um, the way that you deal with people and hopefully you become more patient and more kind and more understanding and compassionate and loving mm -hmm. uh, as well. So that, that really helps a lot as, as you grow in Christ to sort of meet people where they are and, and help them with whatever they need help with, you know, as far as discipleship goes. So, yeah. Well, Michelle, we opened up talking about your podcast. And during the course of discussion, you brought up your blog. So why don't we close by telling people how to find both? Okay. Well, you can actually find links for both at my blog, michellelesley.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-L-E-S-L-E-Y.com. <laughs> And, um, you can find, you know, all my Bible studies there. You can, and you can find, um, I have a great church finder resource. If oh, you're cool. looking for a good solid church, I've got lots of church search engines, uh, what to look for in a church. If you're looking for a good solid church, that's one of my, that's like one of my favorite things on my blog. I'll have to keep that in mind because occasionally I get questions myself, like, yeah, please send them my way because I've got all the, um, you know, I'll see people recommend like the Founders uh, Church Search Engine or the Master Seminary. I've got both of those and a whole mm -hmm. bunch more that are, you know, good for great churches. I've heard so. of the Master Seminary one. And if anybody's listening and wondering, what are you talking about? Um, the recommendation generally is to find an alumni of Master Seminary right. and see, you know, where are they around the country and find one close to you. And it's probably a doesn't guarantee a great church, but it's a good right. start. Right. It's, it gives you an idea of where to start looking. Cause some, like I said, some people are brand new Christians. They have no idea what to look for, you know, whether they should go to this church or that church. And sometimes it helps narrow down the field a little bit to, to give you a place to start. So that's a great resource that I've got there too. And then um, there's a, uh, there's a bunch of tabs at the top of the blog and one of them is a tab for the podcast and the link for the, the podcast is there, but you can find, you can also find us at a word fitly spoken dot life. And uh, if you're looking for us on your favorite podcast platform, look for the apples. The apples there are yeah. other, yeah, there are a couple of other um, podcasts that have the same name. I think one of them is a Mormon one. Um, but if you look for, you know, the, the, our name is taken from, yeah, you can see right there. Uh, if you're looking on the video, you can see that there's all those tabs at the top and one of them says podcast, but if you're looking on iTunes or whatever, the name of our podcast comes from Proverbs and I can't remember the reference right now, but it says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. So we have a, for our picture, for our icon, whatever you call it, we have uh, a silver bowl that has the most golden apples we could find okay. in it. Uh, and so that's what you need to look for for us because the other one I think is, like I said, a Mormon and I'm not sure, you know, there might be some other ones too. So that's yeah. where you can find me and I'm all over social media. All of my links for social media are at the contact tab on my blog. Yeah. So if you just remember michellelesley.com, you can pretty much find me everywhere else. Yeah. Right <laughs> up at the top. We see those social media links. Yeah. Well, and I'll put a, a link to that too um, in the, in the show notes, but uh, michellelesley.com. 
Yeah. And thanks so much for joining me once again. It was a great discussion. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed it myself. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah. So stick around. We'll have our uh, proper goodbyes and uh, thanks again. Okay. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. Well, that wraps up episode 165. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 165. Don't forget to check out Echo Zoe Ministries on Locals. That's echozoe.locals.com, L-O-C-A-L-S dot com. You can support the ministry there as well as interact with the community. And I look forward to seeing you there. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the February episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 